Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Mika Simmons, and welcome to this very special episode of the Happy Vagina Podcast in partnership with ABC IVF. up, we have an in-depth conversation with fertility expert Dr. Geeta Nagand and ABC IVF patient Mel Rutherford about her experience of egg freezing. ABC IVF is the UK's lowest cost IVF clinic. Fertility preservation at the right age is not an easy decision and there are multiple reasons women choose to do so, but for many the price can be a huge hurdle. ABC IVF want to make egg freezing an option to as many women as possible, not just those with deep pockets. If you are 39 or under, an all-inclusive egg freezing package costs £3,595, which includes everything you need, including medication for the first year's storage. If you've been thinking about taking control of your fertility, why not book a fertility assessment with ABC IVF today so you can better understand your fertility health and plan for your future. Just go to www.abcivf.co.uk to find out more. That's www.abcivf.co.uk. Welcome to the Happy Vagina, a podcast dedicated to celebrating pioneers in the female space who've made a difference in women's health, equality and relationships. Each week we chat to an inspiring human being or two as they explore the experiences that completely change their outlook, promising not only to educate but also to entertain and enlighten. And today I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Mel Rutherford who is going to share her journey with us of having an egg freezing process with ABC IVF and Dr. Geeta Nagand, who is a professor, as I said, doctor, health writer, commentator, and a pioneer in the field of natural and mild IVF, and also is the founder of ABC IVF, which is low-cost fertility treatment, which we are going to touch on a little bit more later on into the podcast. But all I can tell you is I wish I'd known Geeta when it was my turn to think about freezing my eggs. Geeta Nagand and Mel Rutherford, I am so excited to be speaking with you today. And obviously, Geeta, I have worked with you for the last couple of years on Ginsburg Women's Health Board, and I know how much time you give to women's health overall. But your primary focus is fertility. And the gap between sex and procreation has actually been widening in the last 50 years, thanks to the rise of fertility drugs and embryonic genetic testing, artificial insemination, in vitro fertilization, IVF. And over the last 10 years in the UK, egg freezing has increased tenfold from just under 230 cycles in 2009 to almost 2,400 cycles. 
and IVF birth rates, which just to anyone who's listening that thinks, well, what's egg freezing got to do with IVF? Just to make it really clear, if you do freeze your eggs, you then do need to get some IVF support in order to get pregnant on the other side when you choose to use them. But IVF birth rates were three times higher in the last two years. And the use of egg and sperm donors has risen too. Maybe three or 4% of the babies born in the developed world are conceived in some manner other than sexual intercourse. So it does kind of beg the question whether or not we're moving away from Nookie being for the purpose of getting pregnant in the first place. But that's a slightly longer conversation. For now, I really want to welcome Mel Rutherford to the podcast. Mel, you are a a personal trainer living in London. That's right, isn't it? That's correct, yes. And how long have you been working as a personal trainer for? I've been working as a personal trainer for over eight years now. Um, It's my... My second career, I've had a previous life or two, so, uh, uh, and I'm having another career change as well shortly. Oh, you've only had two. I think I've had four or five. What was the, <laughs> what was the career before you became a personal trainer? Um, I worked in magazine publishing prior to that. Um, I was a journalist and editor. Oh, who for? Well, my fir- the first magazine I worked for was a Horse and Rider magazine. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I worked in equestrian publishing. Yeah, and then material science and engineering. So a bit of a sharp right turn after that. Do you ride horses? Yes, yeah. I've ridden since I was eight. Did you think, like, that, you know, you kind of needed to do some personal training to keep your bottom quite pert so you could continue to ride horses? Well, do you know, that kind of came afterwards. So I, <laughs> I rode horses all the time. And then I was, I was a cowgirl for a short period in America. <gasps> I know. And then I kind of swapped horse riding for fitness. So, yeah, just a bit of a, a change to my workout routine. And are you willing to share with us where your eyes are going now? You're, you just mentioned that you're thinking about jumping ship and doing something else again or adding. What's the new thing that's catching your attention? Well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm about to start the second year of a counselling diploma. Um, oh. So I'm going to be a registered counsellor in a couple of years and then hopefully go on to do psychotherapy. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. And, and thank you for giving us your time here today. I wanted to speak with you about the egg freezing process. It's something that I don't have any experience of. And as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the work that Geeta's doing. And I think it's really, really important that people know that there is affordable egg freezing out there because I don't think enough people know about it. And I think a lot of people just think, well, I'm not even going to look into it. But let's just wind the clock back a little bit now. Can you tell me what was your kind of like journey to deciding to freeze your eggs? Um, I guess the journey started eight years ago when I turned 30 and I was back visiting my parents. We were sitting down at the breakfast table and then my dad um, asked me if I'd ever considered freezing my eggs. And if I did want to do it, then he'd mum and dad would help fund that. Um, and I think I was in shock to start with. And yeah, because it, ha- it wasn't something that I'd ever considered. And I'd also assumed that, that it was a very high price point as well. And then it was, I think that kind of planted the seed. So it was in the back of my mind for quite a while. And then it wasn't until the beginning of this year, around February, March, um, I was just having dinner with a friend and she was telling me that she was going to start the process. And um, she told me about ABC and when she told me 
how much it cost, I was astounded that it was so affordable. So I think it was that that really made me think about it more seriously and the fact that I was 37 at the time. So mm. did, did you like I just so so my dad often makes suggestions to me as well. And I I will admit that I'm sometimes slightly defensive like I've still definitely got a bit of the teenagers going on <laughs> you know dad would, dad would be like maybe have a cup of tea no why would I want to have a cup of tea <laughs> like, you know, I find it I suppose what I'm expressing is I find it difficult to receive from the only parent I've got left not always I mean obviously I am a grown-up but when when your dad first said that were you I mean I think it's amazing so props to Mr Rutherford like it's amazing but were you, what What was the kind of emotion? Well, I mean, I think I might have just been a bit offended. I don't know why it's completely like wrong, but if a girlfriend had suggested it, I wouldn't. It's just to do with being parents. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting you ask that because I was talking about this exact thing with my therapist last week and she asked me how I felt and I, I said I felt a bit, not insulted, but maybe a little bit angry because it's my body, you know, and it's it's a big decision and it's a big procedure and it's it's my body and it, I think I was a little bit upset that he was maybe trying to make a decision for me about my body so I think that so I did get defensive and it was it was definitely my choice when I made the choice to go ahead and do it but also there's something about it I mean I think for me if it if my dad so my my dad didn't offer to freeze my eggs I, I genuinely just couldn't afford it but my dad he has paid lots of me in my life thanks dad but like I think that I would have been like do you not think I, like even at 37 which for me was 10 years ago I would have still been like what don't you think I'm going to meet someone do you not think I'm lovable do you, not, do you not think that I've got a chance? And it's like, for me, the thing around egg freezing is that if we can unpick it and remove it from that, it's really healthy. But my initial response around egg freezing is embedded in a fear. I think for many people, I don't think we're alone, but there's something around it. That there's some kind of connotation that you're not going to meet the person when actually it's just buying you time so you can meet the person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think because I was 30 at the time and I was single and I still am single. And yeah, I think there was an element of, yeah, a little bit insulted that, you know, did my parents have any hope for me? Had they just com completely lost faith that I'd ever meet anyone? So better just, you know, freeze my eggs so that, you know, they could potentially get some grandchildren. So there was definitely that element that probably made me a little bit defensive about it and yeah I probably carried that feeling around with me for a long time and I think yeah my views have changed a lot since yeah I mean I'm very open about it but I think a lot of people aren't very open about it and there maybe is a little bit of a kind of yeah stigma around it yeah maybe I'm assuming that other people are judging me for oh so you're freezing your eggs because you think you're never going to find a man it's yeah it's a sensitive it's a sensitive subject mm. well stigma is definitely the word for it and we have so much shame uh, we're basically raised in a society that imposes on us this very patriarchal view that our destination in life as women is to get married and have babies right and 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 it's it's ingrained in a way that doesn't give us space to think for ourselves but thankfully i actually think that egg freezing 
is one of the things that is liberating us from that patriarchal messaging because it gives a woman an opportunity to to take steps to make the decisions about her own future in her own time and even have a baby on her own if she wants to. But I, I just, you know, I, I really identify. I, I did look into egg freezing and I just, I, I didn't feel shame around the investigation that I did. I felt shame that I needed to do it. And so that, you know, they're slightly different thing, but um, I think it's really fantastic that you did. And, um, and you know, I'm sure that today you're, you're really grateful for your, for your dad for suggesting it. I really am. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't think that I, I would have, cause I, in the meantime, I talked to quite a few people about it um, mm-hmm. who had been through the process and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've definitely seen it in a very positive light. And I think my dad was thrilled when I went back and said, uh, can I have some money, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one time our dads are thrilled to be asked yeah. for money. And you mentioned that a friend of yours told you, which we're going to come back to because you kind of went through the process together a bit. So there's mm, been some really did. beautiful experiences there. But a friend told you about ABC IVF, which is one of the amazing low-cost clinics to get help with egg freezing. If you are under 39 years old. But the founder of it, Dr. Gita Nagand, is obviously someone that I'm very inspired by. Gita, I think just coming to you, I just think maybe, can we just rewind a bit? And can you just tell me, why did you get into working in fertility? Like right back at the beginning, what was it about this field that you were inspired by? Mika and Mel, it's been lovely listening to you both, actually. I could listen to that all day. (laughs) It's been a lovely conversation, so realistic about what's happening with women on fertility. Well, Mika, look, when I was um, training as a medical student in India, the first test tube baby was born, and I was quite fascinated by that. You know, the whole concept of helping people to create families uh, drove me and it really excited me. And also this field has got great opportunities for research. And I think it was really why I felt I should get into fertility. Uh, It can be very rewarding when it works. It's really brilliant. And, you know, I haven't looked back, no regrets. Has given me huge opportunity for research. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful to our patients who trusted us and came to us and we have been able to help lots and lots of people. And yes, and the staff who are so dedicated at ABC IVF to deliver the mission, to make it affordable. Because to me, uh, I think it's very important that you make it accessible because otherwise I said once um, that only the rich will reproduce. So it's very, very important that we make fertility treatments and options as affordable as possible so that many people can access it. And now, of course, fertility treatment is so essential to promote diversity in our society and help single women, same-sex couples to have families and that's what we thrive on. We want to create this great diverse progressive society and that's exactly what I feel I've been able to do with 
uh, founding ABC-IVF to make treatments affordable, as well as other parts of my work where making treatments as women-friendly as possible. Mm. And you are on an absolute mission to cut the cost of fertility treatment in the UK. At the moment, one of the ways that NHS fertility treatment, so egg freezing is never available on the NHS, but IVF is available to women who live in certain postcodes. Is that right, Gita? Yeah, but look, uh, egg freezing is available for women who have got medical conditions, like those who are diagnosed with cancer, mm. those who, who are diagnosed with conditions um, that lead to premature menopause. So where there are medical reasons, mm. then egg freezing is funded by the NHS. And is that but under the postcode lottery as well? No, it shouldn't be. Um, but IVF, unfortunately, we do have postcode lottery. So we don't have a national health service when it comes to IVF. We have a postcode health service. And that's something that I think will change and should change. And I think the government has shown some commitment to end the postcode lottery. And I'm delighted with that. And let's make it happen. Can you just say what the postcode lottery is, please, Gita? It's basically the treatment has been provided by the local, I mean, now they are called um, integrated care boards. Previously, they were called clinical commissioning groups and they funded. So they decided what was essential for them to fund. So depending on where you live, whether you get one cycle of IVF on the NHS, whether you get no IVF on the NHS, or whether you get two cycles, mm. or we, you get three cycles, mm. which is what is recommended mm. uh, nationally. So Basically, depending on which postcode you live in, it will be decided what you're getting as regards to IVF. But as regards to egg freezing, what we are discussing here is quite important because egg freezing, I famously said some years ago, I think nearly 10 years ago, that egg freezing is the second wave of female emancipation after the invention of oral contraceptive pill to give women the choice to decide when they want to have babies. There is no guarantee with egg freezing, but egg freezing success has increased with modern egg freezing method called vitrification or fast freezing methods. And that has really helped women to empower women with the choice they can make if they are not ready to start a family when they are younger, exactly how Mel said it. And thanks to Mel's dad and a progressive man, we thank him, Mel, that he gave you that opportunity and at least made you think about it. Because I think when we go into the education section, I will discuss about how the fertility declines and why this is important because younger eggs have got higher chances of success. And egg freezing is about, really, it's not a social freezing. It is not like, I don't like the word social. It's not like going out to a pub on a Friday night. It is actually very much a medical need to try and take action when they are younger. So, Gita, you just mentioned that there's been progression in the egg freezing process and you use the term fast freezing. Was that what you said? Can you just say what yeah. that is? There was another word as well that I did, I'd never heard before. Can you just say what that significant change is in the egg freezing process that has made it so much more accessible for women? Yeah, it's more successful. It's called vitrification. The, the term is vitrification or fast freezing, or some people call it flash freezing. So it prevents ice crystal formation and it actually has increased 
the success when it comes to when you thaw these eggs, frozen eggs, the success of uh, thawing is like could be like 90% and over as opposed to the previous slow freezing method when it was a lot lower. That still doesn't mean every step you need to get positive way. In other words, just because when they are thawed, they survive. The survival, if it can go up to 90%, doesn't necessarily mean you have a baby. Mm. But at least the the technology, the fast freezing technology has increased that success. Mm. And which means now what happens is basically the success of frozen thawed egg and a fresh egg is similar oh, wow. for a given for a given age. Oh wow. Okay, so that's what we have achieved with this modern fast freezing technology. Wow. And also, Mika, if I may say, that making treatment safer for women, reducing their treatment burden, they are also very important. So we now have modern stimulation protocols like mild stimulation protocols that help to make treatment safer without compromising success rate. So we are looking after the woman as regards to safety and also the success as regards to survival of eggs and the future success when it comes to having a baby. But the age of the woman at the time of freezing does matter. Yeah, yeah, of course. Can we just touch on the ethics for you? Like when I was looking into egg freezing, I honestly, the guy that I saw, I liked him a lot and he looked at my history of having my mum die of ovarian cancer and I was really struggling with um, a recurring cystitis at the time. So we had a big conversation about whether or not to put the drugs into my body at that stage in what was going on in my life. Um, and and he said to me, you know, look, the truth is, is that probably for you to get a su- sufficient amount of, I was, I was 39, to get a sufficient amount of eggs to make it worth your while, you're probably going to need three rounds and it's probably going to cost you 150 grand. Now, obviously, ABC IVF is offering fertility treatment from 2,750 and £4,000. Can you just tell me, because I remember when I first told you, Gita, that that's how much they told me it would cost and you were so angry because it has had it's had an impact on me right I mean I I honestly I feel like I made my decision based on my health rather than on the money but how do you feel about the amount that people are charging for egg freezing Gita? Well Mika the the amount you have mentioned to me is completely I mean, unbelievable. It, it cannot be that high, mm. the egg freezing price. Why is it, okay. though? What what are they doing, those clinics? Is it just that it's, like, got a really posh share in it? They, they, they've got Evian. <laughs> Evian. They've got a free fridge of Evian, really posh shares with, with squishy bits for your bottom and lots of and Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't gone to these clinics with all this. But all I can say is it cannot cost that much. Um, so there's something not right about quoting such a high amount of um, money for egg freezing. It is possible that at 39, your egg reserve was low and therefore you needed more than one cycle, yes. uh, which still doesn't mean it should cost that no. much anyway. So in a way, like Mika, all I can say is our mission is to try and help as many people as possible. And the only way we can do it is by making it affordable without compromising success and reducing the burden of treatment for women. That is absolute, 
ideological mission. So how do you do that though? So so if because I've had a lot of girlfriends freeze eggs that they weren't quoted. You are right. I had quite a low follicle count and my AMH, which was my egg reserve, was waning. So so and he was I had a great chat with him. I actually really liked this doctor because he helped me think about my health. And I made my decision based on my health and not wanting to put my body through IVF treatment at that time. And it was a few years ago as well. As you said, it's advanced the way that we treat the the actual treatments changed. But how do you keep the cost down at ABC IVF? We actually worked on making treatments affordable for over a decade. And I actually work with a charity in Belgium called the Walking Ed Foundation. So making um, fertility care accessible globally is our mission and work on that anyway. But uh, Praful, my son and I worked on this mission to make IVF affordable in the UK for more than a decade by simplifying absolutely everything, by simplifying the patient pathway, taking out unnecessary administration costs, digitizing everything, as well as taking out, you know, any add-ons and just basically working on how do we make it affordable rather than can we make it affordable. And to me in life, If you want to achieve that, you do achieve that, don't you? I mean, you know that. One of the most important things was for me to try and make the actual treatment as safe as possible for women to reduce their treatment burden and complications, but at the same time, increase access. It's something that I owe to my mom, I suppose. My mom always tried to say she believed that um, women should get all opportunities and as many women as possible to get opportunities because she herself didn't get the opportunities uh, in her life. So I suppose, you know, women can have it all actually, according to me, if we can plan it that way. And one of the things, it doesn't have to be career or family. You can have both. And egg freezing can give you that choice. And I suppose in a way is something that I felt you know, let me try and make my mom's dream come Mm. true to help as many women as possible. We're going to take a very quick ad break. And before we do, I wanted to let you know that this podcast was produced in association with Albright, the leading career network for women. Got a mission, a five-year plan, or an outrageous dream? Albright will have your back. They had mine. Visit www.albrightcollective.com to join their free community today or download the Albright app, available in the App Store. Albright, a global sisterhood for ambitious women. Mel, tell us about the first steps. What was that like for you? Like, so you made the decision to do it. You asked the Bank of Dad for the money, which he'd offered. So it's not even a loan. It was a gift, I hope. Um, and then and then you found ABC IVF. So what was your first initial appointment like? What do you remember about it? Um, Well, the first appointment was just, it was before I'd actually made the decision to go ahead with it. I just went for an initial scan. So there was Mm. a small cost associated with an initial scan. Um, And it's just to see how my womb's looking and just check that everything was okay health-wise and to um, count how many follicles I had. Mm. So I kind of went a little bit out of curiosity. And you went on your own for the first scan? Yes, I did. Yeah, I went on my own. And yeah, it was just a really, really lovely clinic. I've never, apart from a dentist, I've never had 
like any kind of private health treatment before. So I was, yeah, it was lovely. It was, I was so well looked after. Everyone was really nice, in and out really quickly. Yeah, I had a, like, it's an ultrasound scan. They had a look around. They had it all there on the screen. They were like, oh, there you go. They're, they're showing me, you know, what was what, saying everything looked really healthy. Um, had a quick consultation afterwards. And um, I was basically told that I had a very, very good number of follicles. So for my age, I was, you know, very, very healthy and had a very good chance of successful. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that kind of made the decision for me. I think it'd been a bit of a weight in my mind, like, oh, can I have kids? You know, what's it going to be like? And just having that reassurance really helped me to make that decision. I was like, right, while while I have got a very healthy follicle count, now mm. is the time to, mm. to go It's ahead. interesting, isn't it? Because for some women, it goes the other way. They hear that they've got quite a strong fertility still, and they think that they'll wait a bit longer. So it's um, I think it's really brave that you looked at that and saw it as a window of opportunity to for some self-care actually rather than going off and uh you know rolling the dice one more time hoping that you will meet the partner of your dreams and it'll all fall into place in in, in this kind of like weird as I said at the beginning of the podcast this weird kind of like idea of marriage and children that somehow and you know all of our systems that are set up in this country all around the world today in terms of marriage and children are so archaic because it was when young girls were getting pregnant in their teens because they were getting married at 14. Like, it's just, it's amazing that we get this extra time to find ourselves as women. And, um, and you've, and you've bought some even extra time. So, so you made the decision to do that. And then what was the next, the next step? You told them that you wanted to move forwards and freeze your eggs. What, what happened then? It all went ahead pretty quickly. Um, I was told that. I like the whole process was explained there's a huge amount of kind of administration work to go through like a lot of health waivers and just a lot of videos to watch and just explaining to me that all of the risks associated so there's, there's a really like, I felt very well informed um so it's that to get through and then um yeah I was told that on the I think the first or yeah the first or second day of my next cycle I could start the treatment. So I had about two weeks to go. So I decided to go ahead with it. They had to do, and they did a blood test. And then I had a delivery of hormone injections. Um, So I had to keep one in the fridge and I had a a load of like boxes of hormones in in my flat. 
And well, then, it's like a juice detox when they send you, you do like two, <laughs> two or three days of juicing and they send you all your juices in advance. I've only got a little fridge. I don't think they fit in mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've got quite a big fridge. Um, yeah. It did take up most of the fridge. But yeah, so that happened. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I came on my period. So I gave the, the clinic a call. I've been assigned um, like a like a contact who was um, take, guiding me through the process. So I um, phoned up and they were like, okay, so um, tomorrow you're ready to start your injections at particular times. Yeah, so then I had a, about 11 days of injections. I'm literally having like a panic attack about the <laughs> idea of the injections. Please talk me through the injections because I'm like, maybe that's why I didn't do it because the whole idea of... But they're actually quite straightforward, aren't they? It's not like you have to find a vein. It's no. not like you're needing to like inject yourself with morphine or something of the of the, of the same no. ilk. Like I'm, I'm not funny about needles at all. I really don't mind. So that was that was good. But I think the idea of injecting myself mm. and not having it being done by a medical professional, I think maybe I was a little bit uh, wary of so my scary. own abilities to inject yes. myself. Yes. But it was more like, I mean. I've never, never done it myself, but like a diabetic pen. Mm. Um, it was kind of, mm. I didn't like that. So um, mm. there were loads of instructions and videos mm. to take you through it. And yeah, very easy. You just, it's all set in the correct dosage. So they give you a very specific dose. Mm. And so it was all set. And then if you do it in your, in your tummy. So mm. I literally just have to like squeeze a bit of like my, my mm. belly fat in it goes, click it, leave it for a second. And then it was done. I've had so, an injection like that for something else in the past six months so I know exactly what you're talking about and that's a perfect description of it and also I think it's good to have some belly to put it into which is another reason yeah. to enjoy one's food yes. but you 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 didn't you didn't have someone because I think one of the things around the stigma we touched on at the beginning was about doing these things alone because again we're set up to think that we should be with people that we should have this person that cares for us and we care for them and actually it's such nonsense like why can't we take care of our own health and our, be responsible for our own bodies where is that from did you at any stage think I'm going to get a mate to come over and be with me or are you quite robust are you are you quite independent and just thought I'd actually prefer to do this on my own I'm very independent I'm very independent, so I was I was fully prepared to just do it on my own. But um, I, as I mentioned, I had a friend who was doing it at the same time, and um, she was slightly ahead of me. She was about a week ahead, so she actually she took. I'd already got the video through a week before. She took a video of her doing it, which was oh, really sweet. So cute. And she was like, "Give me a running commentary of her doing it." So that actually put my mind at ease. And then I messaged her that morning. I was like, I'm about, I'm going to do my first injection this evening. And she was like, oh, let me know how it goes. Do you need me to come around? I was like, no, no, I'm fine. But yeah, so it was really nice actually to have her just as You're a bit a big of sister. moral support. Yeah. Everyone yeah. should have a, an IVF big sister. I think there's, there's something in that, like yeah. having someone who's just done it one step before you. And I just think it's... Actually, I'm really moved that there was like some sister solidarity going on there, that you had a woman who was actually as your support network rather than the traditional having a, a well I am talking about heterosexual couples here but even just a partner it's just so it's just so the future isn't it that it's a mate that's helping you rather yeah. than someone who you're in love with or having sex with I think it's brilliant yeah, did you need to change anything in your life so once you started the injections were things quite normal did you just carry on as normal or did or, or did the the person at the clinic that you were working with tell you that you kind of had to lie down for six weeks um no I mean the process was 
I mean, it was very quick. Um, and I started it relatively soon after my first kind of consultation. So they, I was advised to take some folic acid supplements and to try not to drink alcohol, try not to like just basically have a healthy lifestyle, plenty of oily fish um, in my diet. And then during the hormone treatment, no alcohol. And I was advised not to do any heavy weight training, which was quite hard for me. I was like, oh, damn. Was it? Is yeah. that your thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, yeah, I do some heavy weight training. I do um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. So Do you? Yeah. So I'm used to like, a full contact grappling, high intensity sport most days. So I really had to... To the start with, I did a little bit and it was quite mm. calm. But towards the end, I mean, I was feeling quite bloated anyway. So after mm. a couple of weeks, so I I really, yeah, I just didn't do any of that. So for me, it wasn't a massive lifestyle change. But I mean, I was, I mean, I'm in fairly good shape. I have a pretty healthy lifestyle. So it was just, you know, if I had a friend's birthday, the, the night before my surgery. So I was there drinking water and... Yeah, so, so did you did you do the jiu-jitsu while you were doing your your fertility treatment? Like you like don't did you have to ask your partners to be more thoughtful about your body? Yeah, I did. There's um it sounds awful. There's a particular move called neon belly where someone actually has their knee and the most of their weight on your stomach. So quite often, you know, you'll, you'll be grappling, you'll be sparring with someone and, and they'll be like, any injuries? And I'm like, no, I've got no injuries, just, you know, be no knee on belly, just be careful with my ovaries, thank you. And Did I you tra- say that? Yes, and I train with mostly guys and, yeah, they they all, I told everyone they found it, yeah. We don't even know what really... an ovary is. I'm sorry to be sexist about <laughs> yeah. it, but considering the ovaries were only discovered in the 19th century, but they're like, okay, okay, she said a word that I don't understand. I'm just going to say yes and treat her like a princess. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But they're, they're all really supportive. It was, yeah, it was great. But yeah, I, I had to, yeah, scale that back. And then what happened when you got close to the... So, so the next step for you, because it, it did, luckily it's not true for everyone but for you it ended up being quite a straightforward procedure or cycle as it were so you did your injections and then I guess you would have got through to the stage where you were ready to have the eggs collected is that right yes so I it was I had to go in during the hormone treatment I had to go back into the clinic for a couple of scans um every few days and just to keep an eye on it and see how things were developing um, because the timing of the the collection was very very precise, I was pretty lucky. I got to I think day eleven, and they said, "Yeah, I think you're ready to come in in a couple of days." So they gave me. I had another, like they call it a trigger shot, and um, so I had to take that. Um, I can't remember exactly how many hours. It was a very specific number of hours. I think thirty six. Yeah, before um, the surgery. So. I went in on the Friday and they said, right, tomorrow do your trigger injection at 11.45 p.m. And then I had, and they said, you have to, you're having your surgery at, I think it was 11.45 on Sunday morning. So yeah, I had to completely cancel any plans and then call my friend and say, can you pick me up from the clinic? Um, Which he did. So it was, yeah, it was very, it was very, very quick and very precise and, of timing wise um I didn't really have time to be nervous I don't think 
What was the night before like? Oh, well, the night before, I had a friend's birthday. Um, so I planned, you know, as my friends, I think he's 42, and a load of us were going down the pub just at the end of my road and were, uh, you know, it was just going to be a, a bit of a wild night. So that that got cancelled for me. So I I went along, I made I made cake and I, you know, drank some water, had a lovely time and then went home and had a good night's sleep, ready to get up bright and early the next day to go in for surgery. Did you lie down on the floor in the pub and feel your ovaries popping? I, yeah, well, I <laughs> I was, we were all outside on these, these benches. It was a really lovely, kind of warm, kind of spring evening. And yeah, I was, it's almost like when a combination of having eaten too much and feeling really full and then just feeling like really bloated just before your period. It was a bit like that. And every five minutes, everyone was going, are you okay, Mel? Are you okay? How are your ovaries doing? Are you fine? So nice though. So empowering yeah. that you did that with your friends. It just kind of really, you know, as we've used the word stigma already, it destigmatizes it and makes it like just part of normal life. Speaking of normal life, Gita, what the fuck is happening when your eggs pop? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, it's it's so interesting and actually very good to listen to how Mel has been speaking about her experience. Uh, Mel, you're basically articulating it, everything so brilliantly. It helps so many women listening to this. So essentially, Mel has described everything. She took some injections and she said it was quite quick. So you're looking at about seven to ten days of injections and then an egg collection, 36 after, hours after a triggering injection. And the egg collection is essentially an outpatient procedure. And women get intravenous sedation. So it's not general anesthetic or anything, but you don't feel it when you're having the procedure. You don't feel the pain. And it lasts for about 20 minutes or so. And then you recover. You get a cup of tea or coffee and some biscuits, depending on you want to make sure you're fit to go home and as Mel said, she got a friend to take her home. And then on that day, basically, you just take it easy, you rest, um, you don't drive, you know, just on that day, you need to rest. The following morning, you feel a lot better. And that's when, you know, I mean, you, you get told before you go home how many eggs are collected. And then we can only freeze mature ones and the lab will call you and tell you the following day how many are actually frozen. And then depending on, you know, it's on a case-by-case basis. Some women would like to rest for another day. Some women would like to get back to their normal work the following day. But that's really what it is. But the important thing, as Mel described, to make sure that you make a fully informed decision after listening to process, uh, risks, uh, success rates, all of that, so that you know absolutely what happens every step of the way and you understand before you go ahead, because at the end of the day, it is a medical procedure. Mm-hmm. So when, so when just coming back to the question around egg popping, Gita, in a woman's body, when you can feel around ovulation, that kind of slight popping that happens, technically in a woman's anatomy, what is happening? So I'll explain what happens in natural ovulation. In natural ovulation, basically the follicle, which is ripe and ready, it just ruptures. In other words, it pops to release the egg and the surrounding fluid. So as you described, it is egg popping. But in IVF, 
it doesn't, they don't pop. Okay, so actually what Mel was experiencing when she was in the pub trying not to have a drink the night before her egg collection, her, her follicles were not popping. We didn't want them to pop. We actually needed them to stay quite firm so that when they came, she came in the next day, you could retrieve her eggs in a safe environment. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, Gita, as we've kind of moved on to education a bit with my question around egg popping, I know that education in fertility is something that you feel quite passionately about and that you, as far as I understand it from reading about you, you feel that education around fertility should actually be much more as part of the school curriculum. Is that right? Absolutely. I I think... Fertility education needs to be part of school curriculum, which we will, we are still working at it. But we introduced fertility education in some London secondary schools in 2017, is it? Yeah, 16 or 17. And it was brilliantly received. We created the fertility modules and, you know, it was so empowering for children because there is that gap in the schools. And in fact, I did a TED talk on this about fertility education and empowering young people during their formative moments. But there is a gap. And while we are talking about egg freezing, I think it's quite important for women to understand some of the stats, as you say, um, Mika, because look, the facts are these. When it comes to natural conception rates, It's around 20% per cycle when a woman is 30 years of age. And that drops to around 5% per cycle when you get to 40, okay? So it's around 20% when you are at 30 and it drops to around 5% when you get to 40, which means your fertility halves between the ages of 35 and 40, and then it further halves between the ages of 40 and 42, and it gets to almost one-fourth or one-fifth of what it would have been. By the time you get to mid-40s, your fertility is around a quarter or one-fifth of what it would have been 10 years before. Okay, so there's a significant reduction. It's because of reduction or rapid decline in not only quantity of eggs but also quality of eggs as we age because we don't make eggs in our lifetime remember there's a and and miscarriage rates increase as our eggs get older and risk of chromosome abnormalities in eggs increase so because female and male fertility are totally different when it comes to that as i say you know Uh, Women's ovaries are like warehouses and men's testes are like factories. So there is a a clear difference between egg production and sperm production. We don't make eggs, we lose eggs, you know. So that is why it is important that time is of, I mean, time is of essence for men as well, to be honest. Male fertility also declines with age, but not as early as it declines for women, which is why egg freezing is here to stay to try and help women to empower them with choices about when to start family and um, to bank their age, Mm. their eggs. Mm. So I call it age banking, to be honest. Mm, I love that. Um, I love that. And and Mel, if you'd have known these facts, do you feel like, you know, you would have liked to have known these facts at a much younger age? Because I 
I don't, I, I'm like, why, why aren't we being taught this? You know, it's not, it's not scaremongery. It becomes scaremongery when you're in your thirties and everyone's saying to you, are you going to have babies? You're going to have babies. You're going to have babies. But if you knew it from like the age of like 10, when you first start to have conversations about biological connection in human beings, it wouldn't, it would, it would kind of get you better prepared, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was really shocked at like how steeply your um, fertility inclines after the age of 35. And I actually only really looked into those statistics after I'd pretty much decided that I was going to go ahead with the egg freezing. So if I had have known that, I probably would have done it when my parents had first suggested it when I was 30. Because if you look at it more statistically, it just makes sense. And it is, and you kind of take that stigma away from it. And it isn't that, you know, it's not a decision based on, you know, that's surrounded by shame. It's something that's surrounded by scientific facts and statistics. Mm, that's how I feel about it too. So Gita, please do keep going with that mission of yours, not just to create affordable egg freezing process for all women everywhere, but also education, changing the face of education. Uh, Mel, do you have any suggestions? I mean, it does feel like your journey was I don't I don't want to minimize it. Of course it's it's not simple, nothing's ever simple, but if there was any sort of tips that you anything that you learn and you you've mentioned that you you've had some therapy, is there anything that you could share with the listeners who might be struggling to make the decision that you found really helpful? I would say talk to other women about it um and you'll be very surprised at how many women you know have actually been through the procedure and maybe haven't spoken about it and it was only after I mean I've always been very very open about it but that's my choice and I'm fully aware that you know and it's your choice whether you you talk about it or not and I chose to and I appreciate that some women might not want to but because I did, I found that there were so many women that I knew that had been through it and I had no idea. And I think just maybe being aware of other women who have been and just getting some support from someone who's been or through just, it. Just also, and then just like, just talk about it. Let's just all like talk about it way more yeah. everywhere. Like, you know, dropping it into conversation. Hey, have you ever thought about it? Or, you know, even even for the women that are listening in their 20s, just start chatting about it now. I mean, I I have asked a couple of, um, you know, I mentor some some younger actresses who are in their 20s and they were both a bit like, no, why why would I be thinking about that now? And it's kind of like, an interesting reaction from quite open-minded feminist women I'm like come on just chat like Eve I'm not saying you need to make a decision now but let's make it like talking about do you want a cup of tea let's make it that normal you know yeah exactly and I think yes a lot of people don't choose not to talk about it because maybe they do feel some shame around it or and there is a stigma but how can we start to remove that shame and how can we remove the stigma by talking about it so yeah I think it is important that you know, if we feel comfortable doing so, that we do it. And I talk to everyone about it. I talk to, yeah, some of my clients, to um, a lot of guys, not just yeah. women. Well, so We are running out of time, sadly. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Uh, where are you at with your life today, Mel? Like, how do you feel? What feels different since you've 
taking the steps to freeze your eggs? I didn't expect it, but I feel like a huge weight has been lifted. Yeah, a weight that I didn't even realise was there. And I'm like, I'm going on dates, I'm dating, and I can go on a date with someone and say, and you know, the, the whole, do you want children conversation is just so much easier. So like, well, I don't know really, but I've got a choice because I've got 10 eggs on ice. That, that's of course, of, of course, one of the things about egg freezing is that it is still a little bit of a gamble. So you, you have these 10 amazing eggs on ice, but I think it's really important that we keep it very real and, you know, share with everyone. that Because I've got a couple of girlfriends who've frozen their eggs and they've had to process the fact that they are, there's a, there's a small element of Russian roulette in it, right? Because the eggs that they've frozen to buy the life that they want and they've made their peace with that. Have you made your peace with that? Yeah, I have. I and I feel like it's more for me. It's more of an insurance policy, and that I think that's why it feels quite reassuring. And also, it just, it's just very empowering to have given myself that choice and having just taking control of my my reproduction, my reproductive future. Yes, it's nothing's guaranteed. You know, I signed off a lot of documents to to say that, yeah, I know there's no guarantee and I'm I'm aware of that. Um, I'm probably in a situation where I haven't met someone who I've decided I want children with. It might happen. It might be that I meet someone and decide I don't want children, but I have that choice. So, so but for women who decide they very, very much want children, yeah, that is something to think about, that it's not guaranteed. Well, I mean, also, the thing is, is that you've added, really, if you look at it, like, if you don't do it, you've got, you either have to go and have sex with someone that you don't necessarily want to, I mean, listen, there's loads of ways to have children. And for some people, it might be right to have sex with someone that they don't necessarily want to build a nuclear family with. And that's, that's cool. That's totally cool. But what you've done, who I, what I hear in you is that you're likely to want to do it with someone that you're actually going to build a family with. And if you hadn't have done this, you wouldn't have even had that opportunity. You would have had to go on and find someone like a Jane Austen novel that you didn't love and marry him just so you could have babies. And we all know where that ends up, don't we? It's a disaster and divorce and terrible. Like, so anyway, thank God for Dr. Geeta Nagan and ABCIVF. <laughs> we have run out of time, but I just, I'm, I'm, st- I'm terribly sorry about this because I know that you two have had absolutely no intention of talking about, about your vaginas, but I've got to end with the question that we always end the Half Vagina podcast with, Dr. Geetan Nagan, just because I feel like putting you on the spot, I am going to come to you first. What makes your vagina happy today? <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> let, me, let Mel answer that you question. You have to answer me. the question, Geeta. It can be abstract. It can be, it can be completely abstract. It, it's, a very, it's a very fact that we have recorded this podcast and given this empowering information to women and because the knowledge is power and we have today with this podcast with beautiful words from Mel and you have really done a service to women and given them that empowering information that's what makes me happy today yes Gita <laughs> I love that I love that Melanie I thought just because Gita does talk about vaginas more than you so I thought I'd give you a little bit of a breather to come in with your answer Mel Rutherford what makes your vagina happy today <laughs> uh, I would say oh, what makes it happy every day that it's mine and unique and beautiful and 
healthy and yeah it's just it's mine it's all mine it is yours it's your higher power our vulvas and our vaginas are our higher power i'm convinced of it mel gita brilliant answers thank you so much for joining me on the half vagina today it's been an honor to speak to you both and i've learned so much and i'm now going to go out and try and find someone to have sex with so i can have babies <laughs> i'm just joking i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not i i am mika simmons this has been dr gita nagand mel rutherford and we've been talking about low-cost fertility treatment at abc ivf we're going to put all the details in the information for this episode and you can also find them at www.abcivf.com Thank you so much for joining me, you two, and everyone else. See you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow, subscribe and review. It helps others to find our podcast. And look out for our weekly videos going up on YouTube and Instagram at The Happy Vagina. And don't forget, if you're thinking about freezing your eggs, check out ABC IVF for low-cost fertility preservation. Take control of your fertility now by booking an assessment with ABC IVF so you can better understand your fertility health and plan for your future. Just go to www.abcivf.co.uk and book your fertility assessment now. That's www.abcivf.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.